Appeals Court temporarily froze the gag order against former President Trump in the special counsel's election interference case, while the appeals court considers his claim that those restrictions violate his First Amendment rights. Until then, Mr. Trump allowed to speak freely about the case and criticize witnesses, prosecutors, and court staff. Meanwhile, at a courthouse here in New York today, after two days of testimony, Eric Trump said his father is, quote, fired up to take the stand on Monday in that $250 million civil fraud trial against the Trump family business. The former president's daughter, Ivanka, who was not part of the lawsuit, will also testify next week after she failed in a bid to get that testimony pushed off. The judge in this case has already ruled there was, quote, persistent and repeated fraud. Now he must determine six other claims, including falsifying business records and insurance fraud. The Trumps and other executives at the company are accused of inflating the value of properties to secure more favorable loans and insurance policies. They all deny wrongdoing. CNN's Kara Scannell joins us now from the courthouse in Lower Manhattan. Kara, uh, first, let's start with Eric Trump. What can you tell us more, more about his testimony? Yeah, so this is Eric Trump's second day on the stand. He testified for a total of four hours over two days. And today in his testimony, he was standing by the accuracy of these financial statements, the ones that the judge has already found to be fraudulent. He said that he was speaking with attorneys and lawyers, and he was comforted by them that these were, quote, perfect financial statements. And he said he was more than happy to sign them. He also said he would not have signed any statements that he believed to be inaccurate. So really doubling down on the accuracy of the statements. And also today, the judge extending the gag order in this case, saying that it no longer just applies to the former president, but it also applies to the attorneys in this case. He was saying that no one is can talk about any of the communications the judge has had with his law clerk. It has been something that Trump's attorneys have brought up repeatedly during the trial, saying that there is a perception of bias by the law clerk who is passing notes to the judge. The judge saying now that is off limits. He said they've received hundreds of threatening emails, letters, and packages to their to his chambers, and he said that far outweighs Trump's First Amendment rights. John? And Kara, take us ahead to next week. Former President Trump will take the stand. His daughter Ivanka will take the stand. Uh, there'll be a lot of theater there. What's the important substance? Right. I mean, well, this is going to be Donald Trump under oath having to answer questions about his financial statements, which has been the focus of his life for more than 50 years before he even ran for president. So the actual accuracy of these statements, his role in the statements is at stake. And it is going to be theater. It is going to be filled with tension. He's criticized the judge who will be sitting near feet from. The New York attorney general is expected to be in attendance. She's been in court every time the former president has been there. So it's expected to be a lot of tension, a lot of theater, but there's also a a lot at stake since the uh, the issue here for the judge to decide is what happens to the future of Trump's business in New York and him and his family's ability to conduct business in the state. Once his testimony wraps, Ivanka Trump will be on the stand. She's expected to testify on Wednesday. She will be the state's last witness, and then New York will rest its case, and it will be Donald Trump's turn to put on any kind of defense. John? Fascinating. Next week ahead, Kara Scanella outside the courthouse. Thanks so much. Let's get more perspective now on all of this from the former federal prosecutor Jessica Roth, a professor at Cardozo Law School now, as well as our CNN political analyst Maggie Haberman. She, of course, a New York Times senior political correspondent who has covered the former president for decades and also the author, you see it there, of this best-selling book about him, Confidence Man, The Making of Donald Trump and the Breaking of America. Again, so many conversations about Trump and the family. Now you have the court of law and the court of public opinion. That's where we are. The sons, helping him or hurting him? 
think it depends on how you look at this. I think that there was nothing that was a bombshell that you saw. There was a moment with Eric Trump's testimony yesterday in particular where he was confronted with saying some, that he had not been involved in, in, in a piece of, of it. I believe it was a certification. Uh, and he was, there were some emails suggesting that he did know uh, that Trump's sons had blamed things they didn't recall on memory lapses. I think that Donald Trump Jr. was generally perceived as faring better than his brother did. I don't know how much of a difference it makes in a case. Uh, you will have a, probably a stronger opinion on this than I do. Um, I don't know how much of a difference it makes in a case where the judge has already done uh, partial summary judgment and there are just these outstanding claims and clearly the judge is already questioning the credibility of all of the Trumps. I want to get to that, the legal part, the court part in a minute, but the former president on the stand. Uh, Eric Trump says he's fired up to testify. Uh, I, I you, think that's definitely true. That's definitely true. Yeah. But you also know, uh, better than most, uh, Donald Trump and discipline aren't often in the same sentence. What are the risks there? There, there are a number of risks. Uh, you know, in, this is a kind of setting that he has not been in in 10 years. He last testified, other than actually previously briefly in this case, yeah. he last testified in May of 2013 in a case, a civil case in Chicago against him that he won. Uh, it, a lot has happened since then. This is going to be a performance. In one-on-one -on -one direct interpersonal uh, confrontation, he tends to back off. I don't see that being the case here. He is so angry. He has had some time to look at how this courtroom is, how this judge is, because he's been sitting in the right. trial in the courtroom, which he didn't have to do uh, over a couple of days. Uh, but who knows? I mean, he has a history of you know, uh, making extemporaneous remarks during depositions that don't always help him. Uh, if he gets himself all worked up, we could see him get himself in trouble. I do think you are seeing just one pause here in terms of what he might be attempting to do. He's not good at discipline, but he can be good at theatrics. And mm -hmm. they are clearly trying on the Trump team to try to create a trail to accuse the judge of bias and, and conceivably ask for a mistrial. So let's come to those legal points. So let's start uh, first with the testimony of the sons. It Anything? Did you see anything that actually helps the Trump family defense? I didn't. I mean, they were making the case we expected them to, which is that essentially it was the accountant's responsibility to prepare these financial statements. To the extent you see our names on that, that's really essentially just because our role was to sign. But we had no involvement in the valuation, and we didn't really review um, what was in, substantively, what was in these valuations. We relied on the experts for that. That was expected. Um, but the documents, um, which the judge has already relied on in granting partial summary judgment on that really important first cause of action, really do link the brothers um, to these transactions and suggest that they were involved and that they did sign off on them, which would suggest some intent on their part. Now, what remains for the judge to decide in the remaining causes of action is whether they actually did intend to defraud as opposed to just have involvement in the creation of statements that were objectively false and fraudulent. So the judge is going to be making a credibility determination in evaluating their denial that they acted with intent to defraud. And to Maggie's point about the former president on the stand, he is clearly trying to make the case this is not fair. Uh, he's not being treated fairly. There's been this dust up and back and forth continuing throughout the week over the judge's clerk and characterizations of whether the clerk is being fair or not. Do you see, is there, if you were on the Trump legal team, do you see enough seeds there to put together a path for an appeal? I do not on the issue of bias at all, but I do think we're seeing a strategy both to distract today from what was happening in terms of the Trump son's testimony and how it wasn't particularly helpful to the Trump uh, defendants uh, by focusing on the clerk. And I think maybe also an intentional uh, effort to provoke the judge. The judge issued a very strongly worded order this evening, extending to the lawyers the gag order that he had already imposed on the former president, um, not to speak about his staff. And of course, he's being protective of his clerk primarily. The Lawyers know that judges communicate with their staff and their law clerks throughout proceedings. That's normal 
part of the process. Um, so it was really ridiculous that they raised this issue of passing notes. And it makes me think that it was strategic in order to perhaps provoke the judge into reacting or to just distract from what was otherwise not a particularly good day for them in court. Jessica Roth, Maggie Haberman, grateful you're both here tonight to help me understand all that. Thank you. Thanks for coming in.